Well, I am excited to share the Word of God with you tonight um, because um, 24 hours ago, I didn't have anything for you. So (laughs) I'm really excited to share something with you. Chris, I think I broke that when I unplugged it, just so you know. Number five, you might want to turn that off. I think I broke it. Um, Tonight, I am going to share a word with you. Um, I'm going to make you feel really good about yourself. I'm going to ask you to say this with me. Say, we don't know nothing. I knew it. I knew they'd fall for that one. (laughs) We don't know nothing. Sorry, this is my my buzzing ear. This is buzzing. You turn five off? Sorry. That's weird. Ah. My OCD ears were going to go crazy on that. I don't know that OCD would have a problem with that, but um, I just tied it into there. So I wanted to start it off by first off destroying everybody's egos and making you say that you don't know nothing. Um, And I want to tell you a little bit about kind of how... Um, I got to this. So this week, I have not had clear direction from the Lord on what to speak on. Um, And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes, you know, it starts coming to me on Friday. For those of you that don't know, um, I don't have a great sermon book that I steal sermons from. I trust God to speak word to me, and then that's what I speak. So um, that's why sometimes you'll hear my sermons and you'll be like, that guy ain't got a clue what he's doing. Um, so I'm just putting that out there right now, okay? Um, so this week I'd been I'd been praying, and even last night, last night I ran to the store, and um, it was late at night, and I was driving, and I was still praying to God. I was like, God, would you speak to me? Give me give me something, and um, you know what what where am I supposed to go? Because as a pastor, you start really getting focused on the Christmas right, the Christmas service. And, uh, you know, and I've just been like, God, I, I know I've got direction for that, but where, where are you taking us for this service? Because I believe that this night is important. And uh, I didn't have anything. And uh, he woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning, uh, which, in case you don't know, it is dark at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, the sun is not up. Um, no one in my house is up, thank God for that. Uh, um, and at 4 a.m., uh, he wakes me up. And he says something to the effect of, we don't know nothing. Now, just so you know, he didn't say it all proper to me like, thouest knowest little. Okay? That is not, he didn't say that. He said, we don't know nothing. And uh, I, I'm like, eyes wide awake, four o'clock, right? I'm just wanting to turn over and go right back to sleep. And I'm like, what? What in the world is going on? And he immediately began to speak and explain what he was really saying to me. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. This is where we're going to start tonight. And I'm, I'm really excited about this word. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes um, when, you know, when I can tell you from my experience, when God wakes me up in the middle of the morning, that's, it's exciting. Um, it's exhausting, uh, but, but it, is, it is exciting. And I believe that he has a word for us that we really, we need to grab a hold of this word today, guys. We really need to grab a hold of this. And uh, 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 9. It says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly 
about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is so much in this passage right here that had me like excited out of my mind. I got here, um, I got here this morning, and uh, I didn't even end up making it over here to my office. I actually got stuck in the sound room because um, I wanted to hurry up and plug my computer in so I could start writing. And um, I, I just kept reading that passage over and over and over again. And I just I felt God speaking to me so strongly there. And I want to I want to break this down for a minute because first, can we just can we just finally grasp what he is saying to us at the beginning of that passage? Can we he he says right here, my grace is sufficient for you. I could we listen, we could camp out there for days, guys. For days recognizing and for us for our own experiences finally recognizing that his grace is sufficient for you. It doesn't matter how bad your situation looks. It doesn't how bad your story was. It doesn't matter how bad your health is. It doesn't matter where you've been, where you're coming from. All that matters is that his grace is sufficient for you. And if we could understand the depths of that grace, right? If we could just only begin to understand how truly deep that his grace is for us, so many of the things that we struggle with and that we fail at and that we get tempted with and that we get sucked into, so many of those things would change for us because we would recognize that we serve a God who has grace that is sufficient for us. And what happens, it's, I, I, I literally spoke to a guy today. Um, he's been out of church for years and years and years. And I, and I was talking to him today, and I said, man, you need, you need to get plugged in somewhere. I, I don't Listen, just so you know, I don't always tell people, you need to come to this church. I tell them they need to get plugged into the body of Christ, okay? And I was telling him, man, you've, you've got to get plugged in anywhere. He says, you know what's so funny? It's so easy to fall out of church, but it's so hard to fall into church. And part of why it's so hard for people to fall into church is because they don't understand that his grace is sufficient for them. They worry about the time that they've been away. Why? Because someone's going to ask, where you been? Right? They worry about the, the conversation about what they've experienced or why they left, whether it, be, whether it be five Saturdays or Sundays or whether it be five years of Saturdays and Sundays, whatever it is, they worry about this. And we, as the body of Christ, need to understand and we need to, we need to push this out of us that, guys, his grace is sufficient for all things. The second thing, okay, I know, I know many, many people who want to walk in the power and anointing of God. I'm one of those people. I want to walk in the power everywhere that I go, okay? I want the power of Christ to rest on me and work through me in every imaginable way. I want to walk that out, okay? But what we see here in this passage is it's, it, the, the whole conversation of walking in that power is prefaced by this statement that I believe makes us run like we just kicked a hornet's nest, right? What did he say here? I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. 
I will boast, not only boast, all the more gladly in my weaknesses. And so I, I was thinking about this because um, I think we run from this, guys. I think we run from our weaknesses. In, in the American culture, in work and all these different things, literally um, when it comes to a performance review, what are they going to tell you? What you did a bad job at, <laughs> right? Isn't that the thing? They're going to sit you down. They're going to say, you did a really cruddy job at this. And you know what they're going to tell you at the end of the performance review, what they always tell you is they tell you to work on that specific thing, whatever it is, right? Hey, you didn't answer the phone fast enough. Hey, you didn't build that wall straight enough. Hey, Tom, you never got that fourth chandelier working. Whatever it is, right? It's going to be on my performance review. That's what they always do. And they point that, that, that out, and we don't talk about people's strengths. We never, in a performance review, look at someone and say, hey, you are, are doing a phenomenal job at this, and this next year, I want you to actually invest more time into getting better at what you're already great at, right? So we live in a culture that all we do is point out weaknesses. And as a result, what we want to do is we want to hide our weaknesses. Because part of what we've been cultured to believe is that if your boss knows about your weakness, it's going to impact the raise at the end of the year, right? There's this, this idea that we have to hide from this. But this says right here that I will boast in my weaknesses, but why? We want to walk in the power and the anointing of God. This is telling me that I need to stop hiding, because it says here that I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It doesn't say I'm going to cover up all of my failures. It doesn't say I'm going to act like I got it all together. It's not going to say I'm going to polish it up so that when I walk into that church, everyone's going to think I've got my ducks in a row and I've figured it out and I've mastered this thing. No, what it says is I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And so I read that, and I see that that is, that is a key to us to be able to walk in the power, right, so that, I may, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. The third thing in this, in this verse is I want you, here's, here's where I was really trying to get to the whole time here, and I, I felt like I had to talk about all those other things first, is um, I want you to imagine, because um, I, I don't have two buckets. Um, I probably could have had two buckets if I wanted. Um, it would have been a great illustration. It would be cool, right? But I don't have any buckets, okay? So imagine I have a bucket here. This is the good bucket. Good bucket. Say hi, good bucket. Okay. This is my bad bucket. Say hi, bad bucket. Okay. You guys, okay. Okay, you're with me. Good bucket, bad bucket. Bad bucket, good bucket. I, need, I had to practice that, actually, to say that back and forth like that. When we read this, here's the question. There are words that I look at that we put immediately in a certain bucket, right? Where do we put the weaknesses? Bad. Where do we put the insults? Bad. Hardships. Persecutions. Difficulties. But what does the last thing say? We've got weak in the bad bucket, don't we? We've got weak in the bad bucket. And so in our lives, what we're doing is we're walking around and we're saying, this is bad. I want nothing to do with this. This is never supposed to be a part of my life. And what this bucket is saying, hey, dude, you want to be strong? Then you need to be weak. And what we've done is we have, we've got, we don't know nothing. 
That's, this is where God brought me to. We don't know anything. Because what we have decided is when we look at that scripture, we understand, hey, I need to be weak to be strong. But what we don't want to talk about is we need to go through some difficulties. We need to have some hardships. We need to have some struggle. And more importantly, we need to be honest about it. We need to be honest enough to reveal that we have weakness. But, but a faith and a trust that God is going to transform that weakness into strength. But as long as we keep looking at every experience, everything that we do, and we keep throwing it in this bad bucket, we run from it. This is where I got the analogy about the hornet's nest, okay? Um, when I was a kid, um, I was playing with uh, a neighbor friend of ours and my little brother, okay? Now, we were playing in the backyard of one of the neighbors, and we were, you know, you go, you're a kid, right? You explore, you grab things, you figure out what you're going to do with it. And we, we, there was this one neighbor, they always had all kinds of just junk in their backyard. And we would take it, right? We would do something with it. We'd think it's cool. It literally was just trash is all it was, okay? And so we're back there, and we're, we're in the woods, and we're walking, and I see this uh, white extension cord, like a white extension cord, and I see the plug on the end. So curiosity says, what's on the other end? of the plug, right? That's what I would want to know. Like, I see this plug. I'm like, I'm in the woods. There's an outlet. I, well, there's not an outlet. There's a cord. There's not an outlet. I check the trees, no outlets. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And so I grab the cord and I pull it up. Apparently that cord, it, I don't think it was powering it, but it went through a yellow jacket's nest underground. Okay. Maybe it was powering the yellow jackets. I have no clue. I can't really speak honestly about that. <laughs> It wasn't plugged in, so I don't think so. So literally, and if you've ever seen like on the cartoons where like someone hits a, a hornet's nest and like they all come out in a ball and like stare at the person and then chase them, I'm telling you, that's what happened. I'm, I'm dead serious. Literally, I had no clue what was going on. I pull this cord and it's like a ball of yellow jackets comes straight up out of the floor. And, well, out of the ground. It wasn't the floor. That would be weird if I had a yellow jacket nest in the floor of my house. Um, that would be really weird. But so literally these yellow jackets come up. What do I do? I run for my life, right? And so I literally take off. Um, and uh, my little brother, he takes off another direction. And our poor neighbor, um, <laughs> he took off. Um, and he claims that his entire body was covered in yellow jackets. To be honest, he was the slowest of the bunch. Um, <laughs> But he said his entire body was covered in yellow jackets. So he, he decided to stop, drop, and roll. Um, I don't know if he just got confused, like if he felt like he was on fire. I, I have no idea what happened. And so, so he takes off and runs. Um, I am like so incredibly fast. I don't get stung. My little brother gets stung once, okay? And uh, so I, first off, I'm like a superhero already. Uh, but but when, I, when I was thinking about that today, what I was thinking about is that yellow jacket nest is weakness for us. If we come close to where anyone is going to find out about my weakness, about my struggle, about my pain, about my temptation, about whatever it is, as soon as we stir that nest, our instinct is to run as fast as humanly possible away from that because we want to give such a perception that we are strong. And when I look at the word of God, if we, literally, if we try to live with that, we're getting it all wrong. We're getting it all wrong. We don't know nothing. See, everything that when we, when we look at the word of God, it is often telling us to do the absolute opposite of what the world is telling us to do. 
almost every single time. And so when I look at these things, I look at weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, difficult. I don't want any of that. But the reality is, is if that is going to make me stronger in Christ, if that is going to enable me to walk out a life that is going to honor him, then we need to stop pouring everything into this bad bucket and stop running from it every time we start stirring something up because God is wanting to stir something up in you every single time that happens, every single time. And so I think there's some things that we have to do because we, I don't think any of us want to live the rest of our life not knowing nothing, right? Right? We don't want to live the rest of our lives not knowing nothing. But I think that if we're really going to take it, listen, we got to take this word of God and we have to apply it, guys. We have to apply it. We have to walk it. We have to live in it. We have to breathe it. And it doesn't matter what the world says compared to what this says. It doesn't matter what the analogy is. It doesn't matter how close it is. Here's what we need to do. The first thing that I think we need to do is we have got to switch our mindset. We have got to switch our mindset. We have to stop trying to manage our Christian lives with worldly views. We are balancing decisions that we are making. We are balancing spiritual decisions with earthly decision-making skills, right? It's really what we're doing. We're trying to do things that are spiritual, and we're trying to do them from the earth's point of view, from man's point of view. And the reality is, as long as we do this, we're not going to get it right. You know, we, we, we are, we're balancing decisions, time, resources, all of these different things, but we're balancing what we're going to do based off of what the world is telling us. Hey, you need to do this if you're going to get ahead in your career. Hey, your kids need to participate in this sport or this event or this place if they're going to have a shot at life. They need to be able to be plugged in or they're never going to, you know, they'll tell us, right? Your, your kids are going to be socially awkward because you homeschool them, okay? Man, if I could get some of my kids to be a little more socially awkward, it would probably help us out, right? <laughs> they, they, the world wants to tell us that everything that we are doing is wrong. They want, you to, they want you to think in a worldly way, and we have to fight that urge. And we have to be willing to recognize that, listen, some of the things that they're telling you, it's going to sound good. Because guess what? If someone came up to you and tomorrow and said to you, hey, you know what you should really should do? You should expose all of your weaknesses. You're going to be like, that dude's straight crazy, Right? Like, that's, that's, that's what I try to protect. And you know what the Word of God tells us? <laughs> Boast about your weaknesses. We don't know nothing. <laughs> we think we've got it figured out. We think we've mastered it. And the whole reality time, the, the thing is, is that the Word of God is telling us to do the total opposite of typically what we're doing. The total opposite of what we're doing. We, we, the, world, the world demands that we hide our shortcomings, right? But the Word demands that you confess them. James 5, 16, right? We've read this many times. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other. The world tells you to hide your shortcomings. Don't let them know you're messing up. Don't let them know you have moments of doubt. Don't let them know that, 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 that you're frustrated, that you're angry, that you just flipped the bird to the guy who cut you off on the way to church, right? <laughs> this is to confess your sins. We try to hide so much, and we think we're doing a good job by hiding it from people, but we're not hiding it from God. We're not hiding it from God. 
time and time again we are instructed in the word and we find ourselves coming up short because our measuring stick is the world. It is not the word. We keep getting this wrong. And when I talk about switching your mindset, right, I've got this light switch over here. This one works, I think. Yeah. Okay. I've got this light switch here. And so this is doing its job well, right? This one right here is a little weird. You guys think I've installed some sort of light show, but for some reason it flickers, so that's cool, right? This right here, this is, this is what you need to do. You need to flip the switch, guys. We're sitting here, and we're trying to balance this thing right here in the center, right? We're trying to balance it right here. We're trying to be enough into the world that we can still have friends, right? But we're trying to be close enough to God that we can still make it to heaven. This is what we're doing. And the whole time, we get frustrated when all of a sudden that we find out that we look more like this than we do like that. And the problem is we keep bouncing back and forth here this whole time because we're not, we're not flipping the switch to really make a decision for Christ. We're not flipping the switch to say, you know what? I know that it doesn't make sense to share this. I know that it doesn't make sense to expose weakness. But this word tells me that if I'm going to walk in power, I'm going to boast in weakness because I'm going to allow the power of Christ to rest on me because I'm willing to be obedient to his word. Which, you know, the, the, the question then is, what has the greater emphasis in your life? Is that switch flipped where you are, you are longing after the things of God, longing after his ways for you so that you can experience it? Or are you finding yourself in this constant turmoil because you're trying to fit in you're trying to, to squeeze into this mold that God didn't intend for you. The second thing that I think we have to do, if we're really going to get to this point where we're a little bit better than don't know nothing, is we need to simplify. Um, Bethany and I, uh, when, we, when we started the journey um, in writing down everything that God was speaking to us for Real Church, um, literally uh, one of the things that came to us is, we want to, literally, this is the word, uh, we want to simply introduce Jesus into as many, to as many people as we can. We want to simply introduce as many people as we can to Jesus. That's it, simply. That's why you'll see that we don't have all of these, you know, maybe crazy, I don't have any fog machines. I don't do fog machines. Um, um, we, don't, we don't have some of these things because we believe in the simplicity of the gospel, we believe that this word holds power and that we don't have to do anything else to fluff it up and to make it real for people. We need, to, we need to present the gospel to them in such a way that they can receive what the word has for them. This, you know, we, we can have phenomenal worship and we can have great dinners and we can have great relationships. But if we don't ever get the word, none of it matters. It doesn't work. The word is, is, is where, it, where it all comes together. And it's funny because, and, um, and I would say Bethany's, uh, Bethany and I are the same way in this. Uh, Bethany, when it comes to design, uh, Bethany will tell you without a doubt, her biggest struggle, her biggest challenge, her hardest project that she ever has to do is when they say, I just want it to be simple. Simple is hard because we want to complicate things. 
You know, in my career, uh, people will often recognize me and say, what's great about Tom is he can take these really, really complex problems and always come up with some sort of solution to make it work. But the reality is, is if, I, if I approach everything in life with this complex idea, right, that everything is so complicated and we have to do everything so complicated, I miss the simplicity of the gospel. I miss the simplicity of who Christ was and how he walked, right? Let's look at John chapter 5. Because when I look at the word, the way to resolve was never complicated. It was never complicated. In our standards, it would be way too simple. We would have to expect people to do more or to, or to, to experience something different to receive. John 5, we're talking about uh, uh, the man at the, uh, the pool of Bethesda. Verse 5 says this, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, Jesus spoke to the sick man laying in that hospital bed, and what crazy thing did he tell him to do? Get up. Get up. You know, we, we, we are complicating some of the most simple aspects of who Jesus is and who God is because we're trying to make people jump through hoops or experience something different for them to receive what Jesus wants them to have, right? When we, what we do is we, we make this God unreachable. To people. We, 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 we allow a perception to come in that he is an, an, an unreachable God, and we don't serve an unreachable God. We serve a God that not only is he reachable, but his hand is extended out towards us. And when we, well, listen, when we complicate things, I think, look, we, Bethany and I have read things where even spiritually, people are trying to complicate the simplicity of what Jesus wants to do. We, we, we read stories of people who are doing ministry tactics where they're saying, hey, you need to sit in, you need to go into deep, heavy meditation, and we need to, we need to do some, um, what do they call it, um, uh, what's the word for it? I think I wrote it down here. Um, memory searching. We have to find out what happened in your life all these years ago that has caused you to have this struggle, to have this problem, to have this pain, to have this illness, and all these things. And so they go through this deep thing. They go through all these things, and some whatever happens, right? But you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't ask him, hey, man, what happened 38 years ago? Did he? No. See, we are complicating things because we want them to be so spiritual and so deep. And the problem is, is that Jesus just went up to him and said, hey, man, get up. Let's go. Let's walk in it. Let's walk in that healing. And we need to simplify. We need to simplify what we're doing is because what's happening is we're making it so complicated that people don't see God as reachable. They think he's an untouchable person that they cannot reach out to. We spend so many times searching the, for the answer for the question, why? I hate the word. I hate the question, why? Right? My kids, thankfully, my kids don't, don't do that, really, unless they do it when I'm not there. Um, they don't do a constant, why? 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 We do, though, right? 
We look at situations that we find ourselves in, and all we want to ask God is why. Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why, you know, we, this is what we do. And the reality is, is the, the simplicity thing, we, we demand these answers from him, and all he's saying is, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus wants, wants us to get back to simply knowing him, simply going to him, and simply being open enough to actually believe what this says about him and walk that out. The last thing that I think he, he, he really, um, this, is, this is where we've got to do, because we've got to do the first two, I think, first. But I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We need to switch our mindset. We have to get to a point where we are literally trusting the word of God again, guys. We have to get a point where, we're, where this, this is more important than what the boss is going to say, what the neighbor's going to say, what, um, I'm, what the pastor's going to say, guys. This has got to be it. This has, got to be, this has got to be driving every decision, everything that you're a part of, everything that your kids are a part of. This should be driving every decision that we make. We need to simplify. We need to get back to the simple things that are in this word if we are going to move from this place where we're these, we're these people who don't know nothing. We need to simplify it. Matthew 16, verse 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. When I read this, it, I think the key to this change is really quite simple. But it's another reality that we run from because we think it's a bad word. We think it's something that we shouldn't do. If we want to win, if we want to stop the constant failure, the pity, the pity party, right? What we need to do, guys, is we need to surrender. We need to live a surrendered life to Christ. A surrendered life, you know what a surrendered life will do? It's not going to keep flipping that switch. A surrendered life is going to know that I'm going to be on and I'm going to be on all the time. A surrendered life recognizes that this word holds more power than anything the world can, can try to convince you of. We need to live a surrendered life. If we're going to act like we know, we know God, we know his word. Listen, I don't care how much of this you can quote. If you don't live it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. Surrender says, I know that this says that I need to boast in my weakness and I need to be honest with people about my struggles. Surrender says, I'm actually going to do it, right? Surrender says, I'm actually going to walk it out. Surrender says that I know that there is a God, and you know what? I believe in him, and I believe I want to walk through heaven's gates and see him. And a surrendered life says I want to honor him until I get to that day. With everything that's in me, with everything that I have, I want to honor him. And we do that by living a surrendered life. You know, 
when, when we read what Matthew 16 says, right, and it tells us to deny ourselves. See, no one wants you to deny yourself. We tell people to fight for themselves. We tell people to stand up for yourself, right? What does the word tell us? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. It's not about you. And the problem is, is everything that we've done, we take every word of this and we apply this to our lives because we look at it through the lens of of our own situation. We look at it and we say, what does this say about me? And the reality is, this ain't about you. It's about God. And a surrendered life looks at this and surrenders to what this says, as opposed to try to conform it to be to what you want it to be, what you want it to say what you want it to perceive yourself at. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. See, surrender is one of these things that people just, they just see it as bad. They just see it as a bad thing. They just see it as something that they couldn't possibly do because they're going to lose strength. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and I say this all the time, and I'm going to get it through their heads one of these days. The people who struggle the most with this are the men. We struggle so much with this. Because we have a perception that the world has put on us that we have to constantly be strong. That you can't be weak, you can't be vulnerable, you can't have moments of this. You, we, listen, and so what happens is all of us men, we just hide. We hide behind our situations, we hide behind our problems, and we're afraid to come forward and live a surrendered life because it means exposure. It means exposure. And we as a people, we have to be willing to expose ourselves to what this word says. Because if we read this and we just stay sheltered and we just hide behind it and we never apply it, we're not living surrendered. And we won't experience what God intended for us. We need to live a surrendered life. And we have to stop looking. Listen, the whole, the whole idea behind us not knowing nothing it's because most, I would say, all of these verses that I read to you, we've all heard them more than once. I've said them more than once, to be quite honest. You might think I have a short Bible that only has 18 verses in it. <laughs> but this, that word, guys, we got to remember that his grace is sufficient for us. And that in everything, as we walk into it, we need to walk in it with grace, with his grace, not our grace, not your neighbor's grace, that they gave me grace because I flipped them the bird, right? (laughs) But God's grace, knowing that we walk in that, knowing that we're going to make a, listen, that mindset change, it changes everything, everything. You can't go on to profess and say that you are living a life following and honoring God in refusing to follow his word. We can't do that. You know why? There are souls at stake, and yours is one of them. We can't live it anymore. We gotta walk this out. What I want, what I want to do is uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna play this song, and uh, when we play this song, as we've been doing the last couple weeks, I wanna open up this altar for prayer. Because I believe that there are people here that need to surrender some things to God. That thing that you need to surrender to God might be yourself, right? 
You might need to finally lay yourself down, lay your pride down, your arrogance, whatever it is. Lay this thing down and give it over to him. This is, you know, uh, I, I, keep, I keep repeating this. Uh, the three things that we do in service, we worship and honor God. We receive his word, but then we need to respond to his word. We need to respond to his word. We, I, as I told you a couple weeks ago, we are not to be doers only, or hearers only, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess we should be hearers and doers, but we're not to be hearers only. We need to respond to this word. And if this word has spoken to you in any way, if you have felt a stirring for a change that you need to make, that you haven't been willing to make, you've been afraid to make, a switch of your mindset, a commitment to simplify what you've tried to complicate when it comes to God, or just straight up finally surrendering to him, this altar is open. And as you come to pray, if you say, Tom, I I need someone to come pray with me. I need someone that that will come and pray with me. Listen, what I'm asking you to do is grab a hand of anyone up here, right? We will pray with you. We will love you. We will war with you for what God wants to do in your life. But what I'm telling you now, don't walk out of here and not surrender that thing that God is already speaking to you about. Don't walk out of here without responding to his word. Let him do something incredible in your life tonight. I'm going to ask him to play this, play this song as, as we open up these altars. You're welcome to come pray. You're welcome to stand and pray. You're welcome to kneel and pray, whatever you want. I want you to respond to the word of God.